listeners, I'm Leslie. And I'm Liam. And we're trading money stress for real happiness. You are listening to Seeds, a 15-minute debrief on young people's common money challenges. Every episode will bring someone new to the table to plant a foundational seed on how to grow our wealth and unlock our ideal lifestyles. We are so, so glad you're here. And today's guest is Erica Moore, or should I say Dr. Erica Moore, based in Baltimore, Maryland. And we're so excited to have her on the podcast as Erica and I actually connected during our time at Duke. And she was one of the first people to introduce me to the financial independence, retire early movement, also known as FIRE. Um, And so Erica, I do not want to steal your thunder here. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and also kind of, as you know, our podcast is focused on planting a seed to trade money stress for real happiness. Walk us through what happiness means for you and how you're using finances to get there. Oh, Leslie and Liam, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start by saying that it's an absolute delight. Um, finance began as a passion of mine when I realized that I was in a massive amount of undergraduate debt. So for my undergraduate studies, I went to Johns Hopkins University and I graduated with about $60,000 worth of student loan debt. Thankfully, these were all federal loans, um, but still walking out as I was 20 when I graduated with that much debt was overwhelming. And I realized that money, although not the root of happiness, is the source or the commodity through which we live our lives. So Mm -hmm. if you have enough money to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, you can pretty much choose whatever career path you want or what calling you follow. And so I realized with this debt, I was kind of limited. And so I became, began to get really interested and passionate about financial independence. And so that's what happiness is to me. To me, financially, If I'm independent or can operate independent of my financial needs, that is make decisions not based on money, but personally fulfills me, that is happiness. Um, And so how I pursue that financially is by getting out of debt, which I did during my graduate studies at Duke University, and then also now moving to phase two where I look at saving and investing mm-hmm. and building up passive income to make sure my income works separately from how I work, so to speak. So I'm decoupling my time with what I earn. And uh, that's happiness for me. Wow. 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 I mean, should we end the podcast right there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Erica, it, it is number one. I feel like so many of the things you said were just so relatable, but also it's helpful to see kind of the way that you so method methodology. Ooh, I messed that word up. Methodology. It's incredible how you so methodically broke up kind of phase one, phase two, and really focused on that independence as part of your North star. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. and, and I want to hear more too. And, quite uh, perfectly it comes at a great time where we actually had a listener from dc write in about a certain topic they're worried about it actually sounds very similar to to your area of expertise um and so this listener wrote in you know i'm trying to grow my passive income both real estate income dividends capital gains blog income earned income and learn my and lower my expenses currently i have a blog with affiliate links that brings in maybe 50 dollars a month 
I earn about $3,000 per month after taxes with my full-time job, and I'm looking to get additional sources of income to reduce my paycheck independence. Mm-hmm. Where would you recommend that I start? Um, certainly a lot to unpack here, but mm. what are some of your first thoughts as, as you're kind of hearing the situation that our listeners are in? Yeah, I mean, I was amazed to hear that they already have a blog that generates positive uh, income or, you know, because so many people, yeah, so many people start blogs and different offshoots. But one of the key pieces of advice for passive or generating alternative income is to find a hobby and make Mm -hmm. that something that makes you money. And so my first automatic thought was, are there ways that this person can grow their blog? It's something they're already doing. They are already, you know, used to managing it, used to getting, generating advertisement income from it through affiliate links. Links. So I feel like if there was a way for them to grow their blog or grow their online presence, given that they already have a tremendous amount of runway with that, that's just something that shoots off right away. What do you guys think? Yeah. Really good point. I, Eric, I love your point about taking that hobby and making it into something that you can leverage for money. Yeah. Um, another part of the write-in that I want to emphasize mm-hmm. is the, um, in this, this listener from DC, they mentioned not only increasing their income, which I think is the common way to look at it. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to retire early. Oh, I want to be able to spend money on whatever I want. I need to increase my income. But they recognize that they could also approach it as lowering their expenses. Yeah. I think that's something that's commonly overlooked. Mm-hmm. And you can change your lifestyle up a little bit if they're, if you're having trouble finding these. Because I, I, obviously these passive income streams don't grow on trees and that you can't, <laughs> they, you know, that you can't turn them around in one day being like, oh, okay, starting tomorrow, I'll make money. It, it's, <laughs> it's, but, but something that you do have control of is your expenses. Absolutely. So I think taking a step back and looking at that for some of our listeners that maybe haven't considered that part of it as they think of growing their wealth and increasing their happiness, really looking at their expenses and what's costing so much and find ways to start to mitigate that expense. Um, and then also ensure and and evaluate which of those expenses are worth the amount of money. For example, some people will spend a lot on, say, an apartment. If they're renting an apartment and maybe it's a more expensive high-end apartment, but if that's something that really drives them to be happy and they need that to thrive in their daily life, then yeah, ball out in the apartment, but just mitigate your expenses elsewhere to, to allow yourself to have that uh, happiness. Mm. That's a great point, Liam. And I think that a lot of people also assume that, you know, there's only one way to build towards financial independence. But I love how you emphasize that there are kind of two toggles. You can build more or generate more income, or you can decrease your spending. And as long as you're growing that gap between the two of those two toggles, then you're going to be saving more. Your your money will be going further towards um, that passive income stream and hopefully generating, you know, the a potential goal of reaching financial independence. So that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. And I'm curious about what you guys think on, on timing as well, because one thing we have mentioned yeah. is, you know, you don't just wake up and say, all right, I'm going to, you know, write a blog and make 50 bucks a month, which by the mm-hmm. way, uh, listener in DC, kudos to you, yes, because next. that is really hard. Amazing. Um, that is really hard to do. Um, and at the same time, I think sometimes there's this kind of misconception that 
paycheck independence also means like not needing to put energy into something and or even you know I'll be my own boss I'll start a side hustle I'll I'll do real estate and and I'll just make money without having to put any energy into it and the reality is you know being an entrepreneur or getting that blog up from 50 bucks a month to 5000 takes a lot of work so I like how you emphasize, Erica, like find something that you like doing that, mm-hmm. you know, waking up day to day won't actually like make you kind of sick to your stomach. Maybe like a full-time job might be, <laughs> um, but still going for that. Uh, but, but I'm curious because I, I, I started off asking about timeline and when we talk about financial independence, I'm curious if either of you have like a timeline in mind, like by 35, I want to be independent <laughs> yeah. of a paycheck or by 50, I want to have six streams of income. Yeah, I guess I'll start by answering unless Liam, I don't want to, you know, no, take from ahead, you. Um, but I think, Leslie, how I thought about even focusing on my timeline of building passive income is really through trial and error. So I've tried a lot of different, you know, things. And, and like I said earlier, I try to mimic my passions and try to make them, you know, become (laughs) income generating, hopefully. (laughs) So um, I think that's why it's kind of hard. If you take the entrepreneurial route, it's really hard to pinpoint the timeline. I think what would be helpful with identifying kind of markers for progression for me has been tracking my net worth. So what I do is I track, you know, I take all of my assets and subtract my liabilities, mm-hmm. which thankfully I have fewer liabilities now that I've paid off my student loans. And but you can see like, on that. Not yeah. Yeah. it was like such no. a burden. <laughs> yeah. So I, I track my net worth and I can kind of estimate my timeline based on that tracking of my net worth mm-hmm. and my number for financial independence. So that's going to, you know, vary our, our uh, writer, from DC, maybe she can generate more income exponentially with the blog, or maybe, you know, as she's also negotiating her career and other aspects of her life, she can just set her financial independence number or the number that she wants each month in passive income, whichever calculation she prefers, Mm -hmm. and go from there. Like, okay, I'm only generating $50 a month with my blog, but maybe if I'm generating $3,000 a month with my blog, that's when I know I can quit my regular job and just work you know, as an entrepreneur until I can um, garner full financial independence. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, those are really good points. And Erica, like the alternative route you took. So when Leslie initially posed the question, she asked if there was an ideal age. Or, yeah. And, and it's like, is age the right measurable for the timeline? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe not. There are a lot of uncontrollables that can go with age. Maybe a family event, a friend event, a dramatic move, so many things that can affect you that will ultimately have an effect on your finances that you might not be able to control. And I think that's where measuring with age becomes a little bit difficult. So you mentioned mm-hmm. net worth. I think that's a great way to measure it. When I get to mm-hmm. this net worth, I will be financially independent or I will step away from my nine to five job. Um, I think another way is thinking more lifestyle wise of happiness. Maybe when I feel no stress with this activity, this activity, this activity, and being able to do those whenever I want, however I want, that's when I will be financially free. Mm. And so I think there's so many different ways and and it's unique to everybody also the way that you want to measure that. But I think it is to set that goal in mind. So figure out what it is. Maybe it is age. Maybe it's net worth. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. being able to do what you want when you want with 
a particular activity mm -hmm. and not feeling stressed, maybe that's when you will be free. Mm, maybe that's yeah. when you'll be financially independent in your own head. Mm. Because I also think it's a little defined a little bit different with each person. Yeah, absolutely. And, okay. and to push back on that too, I, you know, I love playing devil's advocate here on the podcast <laughs> and I also love numbers. So I'm just going to throw a little wrench in here with you know, the numbers. The numbers um, go. Yeah. But I, I think, I think Ian, that's such a great point. And at the same time, it's so important to be able to know like tangibly what that looks like. Right. Yes. So not thinking like, you know, I want to be able to wake up every day and go on my jog and then work for four hours and then come back. Okay. Well, can you quantify that? Like mm. how much per month does that lifestyle cost? you like are we comparing a lifestyle per month that's like three thousand dollars per month are we comparing a lifestyle per month that's five thousand dollars per month similarly if we work backwards i think erica in your example you were talking about you know am i am i targeting a certain net worth mm -hmm. well one question i can already anticipate is well how do i know what net worth to target like should i pick a hundred thousand dollars because it sounds like a pretty number mm -hmm. should i pick a million because it sounds like i might want to be a millionaire <laughs> um you know like i, I have no idea and I've been reading up on this, on this, uh, I guess, practice or, or thought process called the 4% rule. I'm not sure yep. if you guys have heard of that, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's basically kind of a, a, a way to work backwards to understand mm -hmm. like, how much you need in your total portfolio to be able to extract 4% from it each year um, yeah. and never run out of funds. So yeah. for those in the FIRE movement, um, it's, it's, it's something that can potentially uh, lead to you know, having that independence and freedom. But then recently in the news, I'm seeing, well, what if the value of your portfolio decreases significantly based on market performance? Then all yeah. of a sudden, 4% per year goes from 55000 down to 35000 mm -hmm. I know I'm just, you know, throwing out numbers here, but I'm curious if you guys have any kind of like closing thoughts on that and how to yeah. actualize these, these big picture ideas. I do, um, Leslie, because, you know, I'm a diehard fire <laughs> mover, so to speak. I, and... I love it. I love yeah. It. And I, so the, the motive or the little bit of history and background on the 4% rule is that they generated this 4% rule based on Monte Carlo simulations, basically looking at our stock performances over time for various portfolios. And they ran these Monte Carlo simulations to basically see how much money could I withdraw safely to never be able to never run out of money on the time frame of like, you know, 40 years, 30 years, mm -hmm. all of these variables will change depending on how long you plan to be retired and withdraw from your portfolio. So that's one, you know, asterisk or um, something that needs to be applied at dis the discretion of the user. But in regards to your comment about utilizing the 4% rule or something more conservative, what is being recommended now by a lot of different financial analysts is to basically have uh, to basically, it's like a three-pronged approach. One, mm -hmm. to drop down from a 4% rule and actually go to a 3% rule. So okay. instead of multiplying your current cost, annual cost of living by 25, multiply that by 33. And that's going to give you that 3% withdrawal rate that will then allow your um, your portfolio to basically last. I think this simulation was for about 40, 45 years. So you could feasibly retire in your 50s and, and it lasts you, you know, for the rest of your life, depending on your health. Mm -hmm. um, the second pronged approach, so the first pronged approach just to review was dropping from a 4% to a 3% rule. The second pronged approach that people take is withdrawing less money 
in the earliest years of your retirement. So instead of withdrawing 3% in the earlier years of your retirement, have a cash savings that's separate from your portfolio that will allow you to withdraw maybe 1% or 2%. What this what this basically does is hedge your bets, bets. So you introduce less variability or volatility in the first couple of years of your portfolio and that basically your ability to avoid that volatility in the first say 5 years of retirement ensures the success of your portfolio basically, you know, for the next 50 or 60 years if you're doing that same Monte Carlo simulation. Mm. Simulation. Mm-hmm. The third and final approach is to also always make sure you have a cash reserve that should at least carry you through one year so yeah. that you would not have to withdraw at all. So that's mm-hmm. a three-pronged approach that's recommended by analysts, dropping mm-hmm. from a 4% to a 3%, um, only withdrawing less money in the first couple years of your retirement. That's usually a five-year time frame. And then the third is to not withdraw, like to have enough cash reserves to make sure if, you know, we, if the markets all crashed, um, you wouldn't have to withdraw for a year. Right. So that's how people have kind of circumvented or circumvented some of the concerns that are involved with the 4% estimates currently. Yeah. Wow. I love those call outs because I, I feel like I, I was reading up on it. I was trying to keep up with the news as well and keep up yeah. with kind of this like impending recession conversation that everyone's been having for mm-hmm. the past like nine months or, or longer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who's counting at this point? It's always coming. Right. <laughs> Kind of ominous. Yes. <laughs> but, um, Winter but, is coming. <laughs> always coming. Um, yeah. No. But this is this is extremely helpful, and I I I, I do want to make sure. I know we're coming up close to the end of our time here, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I I'm curious. I want to do some more digging on kind of this three pronged approach because mm-hmm. certainly that idea of taking a big risk, right? When in this case, the risk is. I'm going to be independent from a full-time paycheck, potentially. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to retire a little bit earlier than the typical, you know, 60, 65. um, Does require some really strategic planning. So thank you for bringing that up, Erica. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no worries. Happy to share. I I feel like we've really planted the seed on this early retirement idea or increasing wealth, increasing income, mitigating expenses. And I want to make sure our listeners know how this seed could blossom or grow or otherwise inspire their own wealth journey. So team, do we have actionable takeaways to help these seeds become plants? Absolutely. <laughs> I you think go you, for it, Erica. I'll follow you up. Yeah, I think you said it best, Liam. Looking at how you can not only grow the passive income that you have now, but also looking at ways that you can potentially reduce your cost of living now. That's a really simple way that maybe you can say, oh, could I perhaps lower my rent? Could I perhaps eat buy groceries more than eating out? Or can I strategize some of my vacations? So if we can just look at both of those toggles, like how to grow our income and then how to reduce what we spend, I feel like those are really nice foundational initial steps that can be taken and the benefits literally compound on themselves a little Mm -hmm. finance joke (laughs) (laughs) three finance nerds walk into a bar no (laughs) i do not have a follow-up for that joke um no erica uh, such great just wisdom and and nuggets from you here today i think 
another one of my actionable takeaways for me um, is really just defining what happiness looks like for you and using some numbers to quantify that, right? So um, when we talk about, you know, having even a cash reserve of one year to, to hedge against some of the risk that maybe retiring early could, could bring you, well, how do you know how much to save for? Um, when we talk about, you know, being able to create the lifestyle that you're looking for, are we talking about traveling once every month? Or are we talking about being able to give your all to a creative project that requires very minimal capital investment? Um, really just quantifying those numbers of what financial independence or retiring early may look like, and then picking the right assets or the right conduits or the right resources and vehicles to get you there. You have no idea if you're going to need you know, the motorcycle or the scooter or the speedboat. So let's <laughs> go ahead and figure out where you need to go and then find out the best means to get there. Mm -hmm. And one Excellent. more thing I'd like to add as an actionable takeaway is also evaluate if you do want to establish a passive income stream or a secondary income or a side hustle, make sure it's something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Don't force it. Don't force yourself to find ways to get more money. Make sure it's something you're passionate. Make it, make it something that you enjoy doing every day. And in that case, you'll ultimately be better about it, more passionate about it, and have an, it'll be easier to put more time into it. Totally. That would be my other takeaway for all of you listeners to make this seed go into a plant. <laughs> I love it. We're sad to wrap up this topic for now, but I want to take a moment to celebrate an incredible real growth moment from another one of our listeners. Liam, what do we have today? We have a real growth moment from, we have Amy from Charleston writing this one in. Hey, Amy. Amy writes, Amy, thanks for writing in. She writes, after listening to a few episodes and doing additional research, I realized I had too much cash in my checking account. I do have a savings account, an investment account, and a retirement account. Cheers, Amy, well done. <laughs> but never felt comfortable enough to set up automated deposits, which probably delayed deposits for weeks, if not months, where my money could have been growing but was sitting in my checking account with no interest. I developed the courage to set up an automatic deposit into my other accounts. I now never have too much cash in my checking account and my money grows in real time without me needing to remember to transfer to my other accounts one by one. It saved me a ton of time, stress, and allowed my money to grow as soon as I'm paid. Man, that is Amy. that is awesome. And full disclosure, I need to do a much better job of those uh, automatic deposits. But Amy, congrats. And honestly, we love bringing up these stories because we know there are so many others like us beginning our wealth journey and seeking happiness in real time. So listeners, we're so grateful to you for joining us. And we'd love to continue to hear about number one, your challenges, but also number two, your growth moments. Leslie, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, please go to our link, uh, the Seeds podcast description, share your experiences. Uh, we want to help you achieve your goals as you help us. And we want to celebrate with you as we all achieve and, and continue this journey together. Love it. We can't wait to be part of your journey. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to Seeds to stay up to date with our community as we collectively pursue happiness. Absolutely love it. I love it too. Yeah, I feel like we're really, you know, bringing a community here together. There's so many other people like us kind of bringing, beginning our wealth journeys and seeking happiness in real time. So listeners, we'd love to hear about your own challenges as well as your growth moments. Um, please, please engage with us as a community here. 
And if you'd like to do that, you can go to the link in our podcast description, share your experiences with us, both the challenges and the wins. We'd love to help you achieve your goals and celebrate when you do. Love it. And Erica, how can our listeners communicate, ask follow-ups, or Absolutely. engage with you? Can you, uh, we want to also put that in our in our bio as well. Yeah, you guys can feel free to DM me or contact me on Instagram. I often respond to different financial inquiries that my friends or different um, uh, community members have. So my Instagram handle is at a little more a l i l m o r e underscore erica because my full name is erica Moore, <laughs> so it's a play on you know my last name um, last but yeah name, feel free to reach out to me and i'm more than happy to help especially if people have any questions about fire and financial independence i love it i love it and erica is there anything special coming up regarding financial independence on your end yeah, I'm actually in the process of launching my own company. It's called More Wealth. Yes. And I partner with different uh, universities and schools and give seminars on basic financial tools that I think are kind of lacking currently in our education system. And so I target undergraduates as well as senior high school students. So that will be launching very soon. Oh, wow. I I can't wait to keep up with more wealth. Also fantastic name. Um, (laughs) I just realized that both of you have more as your last name. I think we're related, Erica. Liam, are you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder this went so smoothly. Well, we will have to keep up with you, Erica. So excited for you. And students, if you're listening, please do engage with Erica. Uh, obviously, amazing content to share. And so excited for her to start really multiplying that impact and that reach um, to schools, high schools and colleges alike. So thank you, Erica. Huge, huge shout out for weighing in today. Um, and that's it for now, guys. We'll see you soon. And thanks for tuning in. Bye, guys. Bye, Thanks, Erica. <laughs> <laughs>